Yeah, I don't know how many of you saw that advert uh, over here in the UK. That was around in the US a lot. And it was very controversial. Okay, it was very controversial. When it came out, it was, a, it was a, an advert during the Super Bowl. You may know that adverts that are in the Super Bowl command the very highest uh, costs per second, probably, of advertising in the US. And it was controversial because they have a guy with a pale skin talking in Jamaican patois. I don't know if you knew that. What, that's what it was. That is Jamaican patois. You can ask Denise for a translation later if you want to. Um, and it's very controversial. A lot of people in the state said, that's racist. That is racist. Uh, you've got someone who has a pale skin who is talking Jamaican patois. But then they asked people in Jamaica. And the people in Jamaica said, no, that's not racist. And I was like, well, well why? You know, well, why is that not racist? And they said, well, these people who look like that, who speak like that in Jamaica. There are people who have uh, uh, look like me, but are Jamaican and speak Jamaican patois. You may remember Meg Bodden, who came and visited with us in the summer. She is Jamaican. She can put that accent onto when she wants to. She celebrates Jamaican Independence Day, uh, cooks all the food and does all the stuff. But she looks like me. Um, and so, how we look and how we sound, how we look and how we think about ourselves, might be different, might be not what other people think about us. So how do you think about yourself? How, how, do you, how do we think about ourselves? The way in which we think about ourselves is going to change how we behave, particularly how we relate to other people. Uh, we were talking in the office this week, uh, myself and Ian, actually, actually all three of the Ians were up there, we were talking about this and that, and the subject of British identity came up. And uh, just briefly touching on, well, what does, it, what does that mean? What does that actually mean? And how does the life of Jesus impact on our, on our self-identity? Uh, that's becoming, the, I think the idea of what it means to be British is coming, becoming harder to answer. Is it all just making tea and uh, enjoying a good cue? Uh, saying sorry for uh, endless reasons, particularly when crossing the road on a pedestrian crossing, is one of the ones that always gets me. Uh, watching cricket, is, is that what it means? For many people, uh, and I think for myself included, our self-identity is in part determined by our, my, my, our national identity. And I think that's made up of two concepts. Two ideas. And they get confused. One is right and one is wrong. Those two ideas are the idea of race and the idea of ethnicity. So let me just talk about those for a moment before we dig into things. Um, when we're basing our judgments of what somebody looks like, their eyes their skin tone, their language or whatever, and we think that they are different to us, that is 
what I mean by race. That idea is based that somebody has a different biology. What we're seeing with our eyes, we're interpreting then. What I want to suggest to you and what we're going to look at as part of today's talk is that that idea is fundamentally wrong and fundamentally flawed. We'll see that not just from a VW advert. I want to suggest that that is in the Bible. I'm going to show you where that is in the Bible. But the other idea, that other idea of ethnicity, that is what I mean by language and culture, perhaps musical preferences, um, something that we've acquired early in life, uh, initially, but then it's just changed. It's changeable. And so uh, it is something that Uh, can change, can modify. We can even make conscious choices about our ethnicity. Uh, Other people can impact it. This is something to be celebrated and explored and criticised. We'll talk about that. And we'll see how Christ changes that in the Bible. And I want to suggest to you that all of us, especially me, need to look at our assumptions about race and ethnicity, and replace them, challenge them and change them, fundamentally changing how we see ourselves, ending any confusion we might feel, so we actually have a strong identity in ourselves. So we're going to hang our thoughts on three, three points. There's only one race, the children of Adam, there's two spiritual states, and that we have a new ethnicity as the people of God. So first of all, let's think about race. (coughs) Why it's an idea that's flawed and incorrect. So you probably want a Bible in front of you. Feel free to go and grab one at the back if you don't have one. We're going to be flicking around a little bit. Uh, Those of you who are here regularly know that uh, we will normally preach through a particular passage of the Bible. Next week we'll be back to that, back into Judges. Remember the book of Judges? How how many of you remember the book of Judges from back back in November time? Uh, Looking at at a guy called Abimelech. I'll be practicing how to say the word Abimelech between then and now. Uh, But right now we're going to go back into Genesis. Genesis, the first book in the Bible. And we're going to look at this idea of race. Uh, We looked at some of these passages, if you were in our GOKO, looking at biblical manhood and womanhood. We're looking at it from the point of view of gender, but here we're going to look at it from a a different viewpoint. So we are going to be flicking around in the Bible, so uh, get your finger ready. By the way, never be afraid about looking at the index in the front, that's cool. So Genesis, the first book in the Bible, chapter 1, and we're looking at verses 26 and 27. What goes on there? Then God said, Let us make man in our image, In our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. Just a bit further on, maybe even on the same page in your Bible there, uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, 
he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. So there you can see, beginning of the Bible, God has uh, created uh, one man and one woman, and they are in the image of God. Adam, the father of us all, and Eve, the mother of us all. In fact, in fact, the idea of me, Eve being the mother of us all, if you just probably still on the same page, if you go to uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 20, sorry, just over the page. Genesis 3, verse 20. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. All the living. Uh, so again, that idea is, is confirmed that we have one father, one mother of all people, Adam and Eve. Uh, and if you, again, told you we'd be flicking around, if you go over to Genesis 5, that should be on the same page there, Genesis 5, at the beginning, verse 1. This is written the account of Adam's line. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. That sounds familiar. He created the male and female and blessed them. And when they were created, he called them man. When Adam had lived 130 years, 30 years, excuse me, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. So again, uh, you can see the family tree of Adam. Adam has now had a son. That son is called Seth. And this son is bearing now both the image of God and the image of Adam. Uh, he has Adam as his forefather, but still God as his creator. Uh, this idea continues, again, stay in Genesis, just over a couple of pages, Genesis chapter 9. Uh, we're now into the story of Noah. Genesis chapter 9, verse... Don't read that from verse 6. Uh, God is talking to Noah here. Whoever sheds the blood of man... By man shall his blood be shed, for the, in the image of God has God made man. And then he goes on to tell Noah and his children to be fruitful and to fill the earth. Uh, again, God is reminding Noah and his sons that they are made in the image of God. Uh, and then the trouble starts. And then we've got, then we've got a problem. Because we get into chapter 10. And in chapter 10 of Genesis there, you get what's sometimes called the table of nations, you get all the, the nations of the earth being, being listed out. And many people have thought, and many people have said, that's where the idea of race comes in, where different people are spread out across the earth and they start to change. But that is the wrong conclusion from that passage. That is taking differences that we see with our eyes and imposing them onto the passage. If you look in chapter 10, verse 1, this is the account of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, Noah's sons, who themselves had sons after the flood. Or go to the end of that chapter, chapter 10, verse 32. These are the clans of Noah's sons, according to their lines of descent within their nations, from these the nations spread out 
over the earth after the flood. This is what you've got going on. You've got, they're saying here, the emphasis is, at the beginning and the end of that, you've got everybody has come from Noah. Everybody has come from Adam. Everybody has come from God. Don't turn there now. In Luke chapter 3, the family tree of Jesus is set out. It sets out the the story of Jesus. Uh, And that includes Noah and Adam. It includes Noah and Adam. So even from Jesus, you take Jesus, you take his parents, his parents, his parents, his parents, his parents, down to Noah. A few more, and you get to Adam. If you could take our family trees that far back, you would find Noah and you would find Adam. So I hope you can see from these passages that the emphasis that the Bible puts on things is our sameness, our unity, our oneness, particularly in two facts. Particularly in the fact that we all have the same whatever you're going to call it, I don't know what the technical term is, the same ultimate grandmother and grandfather, and also that we all bear the image of God. All of us. This means that the idea of, of race, the idea I was talking about at the beginning there, the idea is, is meaningless. It is wrong. It is fundamentally flawed. And yet we hold to the idea, don't we? We, we hold to the idea, uh, consciously or, or unconsciously, we see something with our eyes or we hear something with our ears and we make the wrong assumption. We jump to the assumption that they are different instead of that they are the same. Uh, one writer sets out uh, some reasons why the idea of race is a major problem, a major problem in our lives. Let me just run through these. First of all, uh, it leads us to abuse people and it leads us to abuse scripture. Using those differences, relying on those differences, inevitably leads to us judging people in a way that leads to abuse of them and what God calls justice in the Bible. Okay, so this is uh, a problem that, that it, it can uh, bring up in our lives. It's also, this, this, this writer says, it's also a very short and a very easy walk from the idea of race to racism. When our flawed idea of race is combined with our fallen nature, we're on a very fast track down to racism. Whether that is fervent extremist racism or whether that's just the offensively casual racism. Whichever it is. Am I getting my head? No. Uh, The idea of race prevents us from meaningfully engaging with others. Folks, there are enough races in our lives, enough problems in our lives uh, that means that we duck the opportunities to to go with others, to build our relationships with others. If we put up this artificial barrier and choose to build it, that is going to make us even harder and even it will struggle even more to engage with people in that way. Also, what else do? It undermines the authority and the sufficiency of the Bible okay hopefully you can see by now from, where, from the bit we looked at in Genesis that the, uh, the idea of race of biological differences uh, is not what the Bible contains 
Therefore, to use it in, in such an important area of our culture denies what the Bible says. It denies the authority of what is in the Bible. Um, the Bible is everything we need. The Bible is everything or the instruction we need. We do not need to invent our own bits. What else happens? It kicks back against the Holy Spirit. If you are here and you are Christian, then you have received the Holy Spirit of God and through him many other things. But we have a unity with other Christians. But if we're relying on race for our own self-identity, rather than the Holy Spirit, that undermines the Holy Spirit. Number six, what else does it do? It undermines the gospel. It undermines the idea of the good news about Jesus Christ. Sin entered the world through the actions of Adam and Eve. And all of Adam's and Eve's children, that is, all of us, have inherited that sinful nature and the fact that we do things wrong. But if we all didn't come from Adam and Eve, then the thought goes, oh, well, maybe these people did not inherit sinful nature. Maybe they are not sinful, or not all sinful. That is not the gospel. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. Or, or, or on, on the other end, Jesus died to save all the children of Adam, all the daughters of Eve. But if we're not related to Adam and Eve, then maybe he didn't come to save them. He only came to save us. That's usually the way around it is. It's never, oh, he came to save them, he didn't come to save me. It's usually the other way around. Yeah? He came to save, save us, he didn't come to save them. And that has been the source of a lot of racism in the historic church over many, many years. And also, uh, it undermines evangelism. In the book of Revelation, we'll look into it in a little while, it says that Jesus died to purchase for God persons from every tribe and language and people a nation. And in order to do that, it pleases God to send us out, to send us out to speak to people from all over the world. But if they're not children of Adam and Eve, maybe we don't need to. Maybe we don't need to go. Maybe we can just stay at home, put our feet up, watch TV. Maybe we're okay. So the idea of race can undermine the evangelism that we, we are called to do as well. Here's a good test. <coughs> Excuse me, one that I regularly fail, I think. Um, not, and this is a test not only of, about how we think about race, also how we think about class, ability, probably other things as well. Uh, when you get on a bus and you see people, let's say people like you and people not like you, uh, what do you instantly think? What are you instantly thinking about? Who are you thinking you are going to go and sit with? Who do you think you are going to go and sit near? That may be based on, on dress, general appearance, language, could be even gender, could be age, could be race. In that split second, what are we thinking? What am I thinking? When I'm thinking, I'm, I'm probably thinking one of two things. I'm even thinking... I'm not going to point to either side because you may think that's one side of the church. They're thinking either they're like me. I feel safe. I feel easy with them. 
I feel comfortable with it. I feel happy. Or I might be thinking, they are not like me. I don't feel safe. Uh, It may be hard to sit with them and have a conversation with them. I may not be happy to sit with them. And those snap, those, those artificial judgments of people are not true, they are not biblical, it denies what it says in the Bible. It is a lie that we have learnt from the society and the people around us. Now, it's the new year. Okay, so I know many of you are dealing with New Year's resolutions. How are the diets going, everybody? Okay, day 10. Have you been able to throw out all of those mince pies and cakes and things that you had left over, or are you holding on to them for an emergency? You know, holding on to them for the point where you think, oh, well, I've blown it. I might as well just pick out of the rest. Or gym memberships, yeah, yeah, you know. Anyone take out a gym membership on the uh, 1st of January? And already it's starting to... Thanks, babe. Good one. Uh, and it's already starting to gather dust. And Yes, I know it is, babe. Um, and part of the problem with New Year's resolutions is that as well as denying ourselves something, we have to replace it with something if it's going to work. As well as actually saying, I'm going to stop doing this, you've got to say, I'm going to start doing this. Because it leaves a gap. It leaves a space. It leaves a, back, a vacuum. So from the Bible, this is, instead of thinking, they are not like me, I might not feel safe, here's something else you could think of instead. They're the same as me. They were born from Adam and Eve, just the same way that I am. They bear the image of God just the same way that I do. They're sinners, just the same way that I am. They're in need of a saviour, just as much as I am. So you could replace one set of thoughts with that set of thoughts. And that would be a, that would be, to be honest with you, I was going to say that would be, that would be what the Bible says. To be honest with you, that's the truth. That's just the plain truth. This idea of race, it's just wrong. Yeah, this is the truth. That is the truth. However, if you're a Christian here today, then you can go further than this. And this is our our second point, moving on to the idea of uh, identity with, with Christ. If we are meeting with other Christians, we can say, Yes, we are the same. We were born of Adam and Eve, just the same as I was. Uh, They bear the image of God, just the same as I do. They are sinners, just the same as I am. Notice I'm saying that. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're not a sinner. You're still a sinner. They are in need of a saviour, just as much as I am. That is true for Christians. But you can also then go on and say that they are united with Christ like I am. They've been given the Holy Spirit like I have. They've been adopted by God and so they are literally, actually, my brother and my sister. They are experiencing the promises of eternal life just the way that I am. 
So if you're talking about your own identity and you're thinking about your own identity and you are a Christian, then how does this idea of being united with Christ affect you? Should it affect you? Does it make a difference? Let's get back in the Bible. That's where we should be. Let's look in the book of John. So that's near the other end of the Bible, uh, over in the what's called the New Testament. And we're going to John chapter 17. If you are in the church Bibles, it's uh, page 1085. Uh, not sure if you're in the same Bible. It's chapter 17. This is verse 20. So this is Jesus. This is Jesus praying uh, at the end of his, uh, basically at the end of his ministry. Tonight is the night he's going to get arrested. And this is what he's praying. So this is Jesus praying to God out loud. This is what he's praying. Verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That is Christians. That all of them, how many, how many Christians is that? That's all Christians. All of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one, as we are one. I in them, and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me, and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Jesus is praying in verse 21 that all Christians may be one. How many Christians? All Christians. Every Christian. Just the same as Jesus, notice this, just the same as Jesus is united with God the Father. Also that the unity is not just with Christians with each other, but also with Father. Also with the Father and with Jesus. So as a Christian we are unified with other Christians, we are unified with Jesus, we are unified with God the Father. When we deny that we are in that kind of relationship with other Christians. When we deny that we're united, we're denying that we're united with Christ. Again, verse 22, that they may be one. Verse 23, so they may be brought to complete unity. Christians are not just united with each other, but, but with Christ and God. We have more in common than anyone else in the planet. The Bible says we are new creations. Keep going. Let's turn, let's turn over to Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter five. This is uh, in part what Joan was reading from. Second Corinthians chapter five. That is uh, page one one six. Well, page one one six one in the Bible, in the Church Bible, if you've got that. And look there with me again at verse sixteen. So from now on. Get this. From now on, we regard no one. How many people is included in no one? We regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. This has always been God's plan. Our primary identity is not race. Somebody else's primary identity is not their race. Race doesn't exist. So, so the question is not about that. The question is, 
Are they united with Christ? Are they a Christian? Or are they not a Christian? That is how we're looking. That is how we're seeing. We're, we're looking for people's spiritual state. Their relationship with Christ. That is the primary indicator of who they are. That's our own primary indicator of who we are. Not whether we're British or Ugandan or Iranian or from Yorkshire or white or black or any other idea of race. Whether we are Christian. But maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. And you're saying, well, okay, Ian, that's all very well and good, but I'm not a Christian. So I don't, I don't have that sense of being united. Let me just uh, welcome you to, to, to being here with us. There's no place we would rather you be than be with us here right now. Uh, please allow me to, to talk to you directly for a few moments. I hope you can see that the idea of race, from what we've been talking about, is a pointless one. I think deep inside as we know that, if we're being honest. When you meet other Christians, or maybe a Christian brought you, or maybe you know Christians... Uh, maybe when you meet us who are here, who, who are part of Rotherham Evangelical Church. I hope that you will see something that is different. We are indeed all the same. We were, from, we were born from Adam and Eve. We all bear the image of God. We are all sinners and we all need a saviour. We need a saviour because we're going to be punished for that rebellion and for that sin. And we need someone to save us. And that's why God sent his son to die for us and rose from the dead after three days. So that through our faith in him, we can be reconciled to God. Through our faith in him, we can be united with Christians. The only difference, the only difference between Christians and non-Christians is whether they have the faith and whether they have repented and believed in Jesus. Hopefully, yes, we can live a different life. But at the end of the day, we're still sinners. Today is the day of salvation. Do not leave here without finding more about who Christ is. Do not leave here without having a conversation. Please, with another Christian, let us tell you more about this Saviour. There is no better conversation to have. These differences that, that uh, we think are, are race because of groupthink or coincidence or history or whatever, uh, uh, they are something we have... We have made up but there are when you look at Christians hopefully we, we hope we can see the life of Christ in us and we hope that that is something that you want as well well let's move on we talked about the idea of ethnicity and let's move that on to that that is our third point uh, again just a reminder ethnicity is not the same as Race, ethnicity is literature, language, music, uh, perhaps even religion from, from some uh, areas. Uh, and it's an important idea. Being clear, it's nothing to do with race, it, but it is an important idea. Uh, it's important because it can change. As we experience new things, as we, uh, as we grow, it changes. But also, our ethnicity can be challenged and criticised, hopefully in a positive way, but it can be criticised. 
And here's the great thing, is that we do not have to take that criticism as being threatened or as being unloved. Because it is something that changes. It is something that is uh, uh, malleable. It is not us. It is just uh, things we enjoy, our preferences, whatever it is. Um, I had a bit of a use the word epiphany, that's a big church word, had a bit of a moment of reality this week. We were watching uh, TV, uh, Denise and I, Denise says, oh come watch this, this guy's on the TV, he's your favourite comedian. Uh, it was my favourite comedian, I won't tell you who it is. And, and I was watching him and he's doing a few of the normal routines and that sort of stuff, you know. And uh, I realised, well Denise pointed out, but I, I guess I realised about the same time, he was cracking a lot of jokes about God. I mean a lot of jokes about God and not very nice jokes about God. I mean this was actually pretty toxic, nasty stuff. Not only nasty but factually wrong, pretty offensive. And suddenly I realised, you know, I don't want to watch you anymore. I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to listen to your humour because it's not actually humour at all. This is just rubbish, this is just goth, this is just like, this is just some, nothing I want to watch. And I realised at that point that, that that part of my ethnicity, uh, subheading comedy, subheading stream of consciousness comedy, that gives just a clue to who it might have been, um, has just changed. It's just changed, cause I, you know, I, I don't want that. And that made me realise that ethnicity changes as we grow as Christians. As we grow as a Christian, our idea of who we are changes. Our idea of what we like will change. Yes, the nasty jokes might decrease. The swear words might decrease. Perhaps we listen to different kinds of music. Perhaps we use different words. Perhaps we want to hang out with different people. Let me be clear. Very clear. I'm not saying that all that stuff suddenly changes. Although it can. Often it doesn't. I'm certainly not saying that Christians, again, let me be clear, I'm certainly not saying Christians should stop listening to secular music and comedians and all that stuff. But we change. We don't, we, it just happens naturally as the Holy Spirit is living us and works in us. We change. We grow. The image of God in us is being renewed through how we understand Him, what we experience. Let's have a look at that in the Bible. Let's see what it says, because don't just take my word for it. Let's flip back a few pages to Romans. Romans chapter 8. This is a letter Paul wrote to a group of people in the city of Rome. I'm on page 1135 in the church Bible, if that's the same thing. So this is Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Uh, where's it gone? And all of this, all, I mean, only part of this Romans is great stuff. But get this, for those God foreknew... He also predestined, get this, to be conformed to the likeness of his son. Does that sound familiar? That kind of language? Being conformed to the likeness of his son. How? That he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Yeah, the firstborn amongst many brothers. A reminder, we're all united. Uh, that should be there. But, but also, not only there. Uh, oh man. Look what I'm doing to you. Go back to the book of 2 Corinthians. Sorry, I should have told you to keep the finger in the page there. 
Second Corinthians chapter 3 this time. That's page 1159. Uh, sorry, over the page 1160. <coughs> Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we, so again he's talking about Christians, are we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Again, that idea that we are being transformed into the likeness of God. Uh, to be more like Jesus. And I want to suggest to you that this is that this is is the idea of, let's say, a, a Christian ethnicity. Okay? That there is part of ethnicity that comes from Christ. Now let me read from you, say if you're looking at Ephesians chapter 4, we did Ephesians uh, last year, didn't we? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. And we are to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is a new thing. The old has passed away, the new has come. I don't know if you know this song, this song that's got the words, uh, these are some of the words, I will never be the same again. I can never return. I've closed the door. I will walk the path and I will run the race, but I will never be the same again. And that's the idea you have, have in here. Uh, in these passages, the last one, just turn with me to uh, Colossians, uh, Colossians chapter 3. Now this is actually very similar to uh, the passage from, from Ephesians. Uh, so we're in Colossians chapter 3 verse 10. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Okay, the idea of what we learn, what we know, changes us and conforms us to the image of Christ in some way. We'll go on, verse 11. So there's no Gentile, no Jew, no circumcised, no uncircumcised, no barbarian, no Scythian, no slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. We are one as Christians. Christians are united. That's not denying the ethnicity that perhaps has started with our parents and our experience, but now it's, it's overlaid. It's infused with this, this stuff that comes from Christ, this Christian ethnicity. So that people who come from different backgrounds and countries and genders and ages and classes, whatever, look at each other and don't see those differences, but see their brothers and their sisters. And mean it. Not just say it because it's a, an easy word, but look at each other and mean it. Yeah, we're imperfect. It doesn't always work out the way it should. We don't always act to each other the way we should, but we are united in Christ. Christians change. We want to hang out with our other family, our brothers and our sisters. The absence of race is an idea and a new, that is just wrong, and a new unifying identity as Christ is what we now want, is what we now want to pull in. And the best place to see it, the best place to experience it, is in a church, is in Christ's spiritual family. 
why. Oh, sorry, I'm not moving the slides on here. Well, thanks, mate. Um, you're the best. Uh, why? Why is it best to experience it in church? Well, to be honest with you, the, the members of the uh, Brinsworth Crown Green Bowling and Lawnmower Club, if there is such an organisation, uh, which there probably isn't, and I'm sure it's a very exciting organisation if it does exist, but they are not united by the death of a saviour who died in agonising death for them and through his suffering has given them eternal life that they're now experiencing that together they've not all been made new through the resurrection of, of the son of God they've not been purchased by Christ Likewise, the, uh, just because I don't geographically want to miss anyone out, likewise, the Aston, Gilberton, Sullivan, Light, Opera and Bingo Forum, if such an organisation exists, is not somewhere where you are going to experience the brotherhood and the love of Christ. It is not a place where people have been forged on a spiritual level into one nation, a new nation, with a new song to the Saviour. They don't share that, that Christ-centric ethnicity. To see this and experience this new creation, this new identity, and what an incredible and a joyful experience and thing it is, it is best seen, it is the best experience in a local church. Because that's where we live together every day, 24-7, living out our faith in Christ Let me wind up for us. Let's, uh, I'm going to read from the book of Revelation. If you can turn there if you want to. I'll, I'll read it to you if not. But uh, Revelation, the last book in the Bible, chapter 5. There's a guy called Rob Whitaker who is the, uh, the principal, I believe, of Cape and Ray Bible College in the Lake District. Uh, Revelation chapter 5 is on page 1237. And he does a thing with his students sometimes where on his, uh, whatever his podium or whatever it is he's speaking on, he has a red light that sits on the corner. And when, when something's coming up which he thinks his students don't know, but they think they do know, some assumption they've got wrong, he just turns it on. And they know this is the routine. They know that when this little red light comes on, they're supposed to pay attention. Because he's about to say something which they may be surprised by. Okay, so if I had a red light here, I'd go, ping, and turn it on. Let me read from Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. If I can find those. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seal. This is, they are singing about Jesus. Because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Okay, so some people believe that you start your eternal life when you die. Okay, so if you're a Christian, you go to heaven. That is clear in the Bible. If you're not a Christian, you do not go to heaven. You go to hell. That is clear in the Bible. And that's when you start your eternal life. Turning my red light on now. Newsflash. 
whether you're talking about your life today, whether you're talking about your life in heaven, whether you're talking about your life in the new heaven, it is all the same life. You have already started your eternal life. Uh, you, if you are here and you are Christian, you are going to live forever. Some of that now on the earth, some of it in heaven, some of it in the new Jerusalem when God creates the new heaven and the earth at the end of time. So when, Gen- so when Revelation says, with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation, realize that that is past tense, realize that that is already happening, that that is already underway, that that is already going along. So when you look around in our church and you see people from Uganda, from Iran, from Yorkshire, from Northern Ireland, from Congo, from Wigan, from wherever else we are, we're seeing with our own eyes the process that is already underway of God bringing together every tribe and nation, bringing together under the rule of Christ. We need to challenge our assumptions about race and ethnicity. Why? Because for no other reason we need to challenge them because we are going to spend eternity living together. And so we really do need to get over this and start thinking about each other in the right way. Let's pray together.